That is Galatians 5. For those of you who intend to follow along in uh, the Bible that you brought along or is provided, um, Galatians 5, we're going to start in 14. And um, when you find it, stick your finger right there. We'll come back to it in a minute. Um, the book of Galatians. Paul wrote this book because um, the church in, in Galatia, which is in Greece, um, these guys had had all sorts of crazy teachers that had come on them, right? And these folks were coming along, and they were telling these guys, hey, if you work really hard at following the law, and you obey these particular ritual observances, one of them was circumcision. If you don't know what that is, ask your mom and dad when you get home. Um, if you do these things, this is how you become acceptable to God. Like, this is how you cross that bridge. You've got you to gotta be good, and you've got to check these boxes. And Jesus is pretty good, you know. He's a part of that, but it really, you know, the law. This is how, this is like the all-star thing here, right? You want, you want this. And Paul comes along, and he says, listen, these guys are telling you you can work your way to heaven. That is not possible. Paul is saying to him, anybody who lives under the law lives under a curse. This is in, this is in chapter 3. Don't look for it right now. Because we can't obey it. Like we can you know, manage little bits and pieces of it in little stretches, right? But if it comes down to me being good, it's only a matter of time, right? Because I, I'm like a sinner. I'm full of sin. And, and when given the opportunity, like you give me a rule, Right? You say, all right, Eric, from here on out, this is the rule. The very first thing that happens in the back of my head is I think, well, how do I get around that rule? <laughs> you know, is there a shade of difference where I can like sidestep this a little bit? And, and we all kind of do this in one way or another because sin infests us. This is a part of who like mankind is. Um, and, and ultimately, to like put the law on somebody is to make it worse because the law see, or sin sees the law and grabs it, right? Not supposed to do this? Well, you know, watch me. Um, and, and, you know, this particular passage we're looking at today, Galatians 5, Paul talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit. These are the things that, that um, bring us to a place where we live different, right? And, and I was trying to think of a good example of this, and, and I'll tell you, this is what I came up with. About eight years ago, um, I, I weighed almost 250 pounds. I was a big guy. Um, and I, I smoked quite a bit, and, and I, I drank, and I um, um, ate as much as I possibly could at every opportunity, and, and I was a pretty unhealthy fella, right? And, and along with that, about once a quarter, I got really sick. I'd catch a, a cold or the flu, right? That, that one of the, whatever bug it was that was going around that took advantage of your immune system being crummy, I caught it, and I got sick all the time, Right? And, and so there was that. And, and it, why did that happen? Well, because I wasn't very healthy, right? Um, I also, uh, I had trouble sleeping at night. And, and I would wake up tired all the time. And when I would wake up tired, I would drink about 48 cups of coffee. And then, then I found those energy drinks. Have you guys had those? They taste terrible, but they promise big things. <laughs> um, and, and I would drink that. I'm mean, constantly like doing this. Why? Because I was tired. Why was I tired? Well, I'm guessing it had something to do with the extra 80 pounds of weight that I was carrying around. And, and um, you know, I, I had trouble sleeping because I was drinking a gallon of coffee a day, right? Like, like I, I wasn't healthy. Um, and to take it a step further, all of my, you know what a coping skill is, like our coping mechanism? It's how you deal with stuff. So now, like, if I have a bad day, I go home and I, I uh, um, go running or I jump on the, tr- on the bicycle and I ride 
you know, 10 miles or whatever and just getting it out makes me feel better. Then, when I felt stressed out, I'd have a cigarette, right? Anybody quit smoking at some point? I mean, that's kind of how it is, right? Man, what a crummy day. And, you know, so you go off and have one, and it makes you feel a little better for about five minutes, and then it comes back. Um, but because I had such crummy coping mechanisms, you know, I would eat or, or I'd have, you know, a couple drinks or whatever, I was... I was always stressed out, and because I was always stressed out, which is a product of me being unhealthy, right? I had a short temper, and like all of these things came out of that. And one day, I, I lost seventy pounds. <laughs> Let me tell you about. <laughs> it was my wife, I, <laughs> the heckler in chief back there, <laughs> over. <laughs> over a period of <laughs> everybody get up and point at Greg um, <laughs> over a period of several months I lost quite a bit of weight and I quit smoking and I, I didn't drink anymore I actually quit eating meat for a number of years and I I, I uh, did all of this stuff like for different reasons I did it for, for spiritual reasons actually um, but in the end when all of that stuff was gone and I lost all this weight I realized I stopped getting sick isn't that weird? Like, I was never sick anymore. Like, I, I accumulated so many sick days that by the time I left my job, I could have called off sick for about three months. They wouldn't let me. But, <laughs> but I could have, right? I, because I just stopped getting sick. I never got sick after that. And um, a couple other weird things happened. All of a sudden, because I had all of these new ways to deal with stress because I was exercising and stuff like that, which was a part of me being healthy, my temper went away. Or tapered down quite a bit. Um, <laughs> um, I wasn't tired all the time. Why? Because my metabolism was fixed, right? And I wasn't carrying around all this extra weight. Um, like, huge things changed. But it's not as though I woke up one day and said, I am not going to be sick anymore. You know? <laughs> and, oh, the cold's coming on, but I'm going to try real, real, real hard. These are byproducts of a lifestyle, right? They're byproducts of something new that had happened. Um, as we look at, at this passage in Galatians, what Paul is dealing with here is he's dealing with folks trying to figure out how to, how to make things better. Any of you guys ever have a habit or like a special sin that you like just couldn't quite kick? You know what I'm talking about? And I'm going to use an, a really easy, innocuous one, all right? Like, like the language one. Anybody do that? And you're like, oh, I shouldn't swear. I just got to try real hard tomorrow. I got to stop doing that. You know, oh, I got to try real hard. I got to not do that. Oh, you know, and it's over and over again, and you swear, like, are you promise? Sorry. You know, I'm going to try real, real hard. But there are other sins that fall into this category, right? I'm just picking the easiest one for everyone. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? That one you're thinking about right now, and you're like, oh, yeah, I try real hard, and I don't. I keep doing it. Gossip is one of mine. Like, I, you know, it's easy to gossip, right? Not that it's a small town. I'm sure nobody does it here. Um, <laughs> But you think, oh, I shouldn't be doing that, I shouldn't be doing that, but right there, right? You know, because, because it's just so much fun. Um, quitting smoking was like that. I swear I'd, I'd drive down the road and I'd stop to get, get gas and I'd be thinking, oh, I'm not getting a cigarette, I'm not getting, and I'd be like lighting, lighting it up as I'm driving away and thinking, how did that happen? You know, like, where'd it come from? Um, why? Because we have our flesh, right? Our sin grabs hold, which is where Paul starts, right? He says, uh, He's been talking about the law, and he sums it up. He says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is 514. 
But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Notice he says, the things that you please, right? Because there are things that we do because they're fun, right? Like, fact of the matter is, if sin was, like, miserable... We wouldn't all do it. And actually, what's really messed up is when sin is fun and you get to the point where you can't stop doing it and then it becomes miserable and you're like, oh man, I keep doing this, but I hate it. Anybody got any of those? I got a few, I'll tell you. And when we try real, 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 real hard, it makes it worse. Um, because of our own strength, our own flesh, this, this body, this, this you know, like being that we are, it fights against doing the right thing. Um, it's like having kids that you're trying to give a bath to, and they don't want it, and they fight you the whole way. Not that we ever have that problem, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What's he talking about? Well, some people will read this and say, well, listen, if I'm led by the Spirit, I don't have to follow the law. <laughs> because I'm saved by Jesus, I can do whatever you want, or whatever I want, right? You know, I'm saved by Jesus, well, I'll go out and shoot people. I'm going to heaven. I'm forgiven. That's not what that means. Not under the law means that I'm saved because I'm forgiven, and so sin has no reason to grab hold of this, right? It's not as though the law doesn't count anymore, but I'm not earning my way to heaven, and I'm not going to like obey it perfectly. And so what happens there is I'm not under the law because I'm going to heaven a different route. I don't need to go that way. I got this way. And so like, like it gives no reason for the flesh to grab it. But we'll come back to that. Now, here's the juicy part, right? The works of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Um, Paul breaks into a list, and Paul digs on lists, right? He does these. And he'll like break out into this long list, and he'll say, okay, listen, if you're doing the following things, you're in trouble. And the nice thing about how Paul does lists is that he tends to organize them. So we're going to look at these in bits and pieces by type, okay? Um, most con commentators will break it up into four types. I'm going to do five um, because I think most commentators are wrong, and that's just my opinion. <laughs> the first three, right? These are, these are like physical, like sexual sins is what they are, right? There's no getting around it. Um, Let's have a look. It's immorality, impurity, and sensuality. They're, the Greek word, by the way, for immorality is porneia. Does it sound familiar? Guess what word we get from that? <laughs> you didn't have to say it out loud, but there are children here. <laughs> um, immorality, it, it refers to this kind of, you know, like, like think in terms of porn, right? Like, like, it refers to this kind of sin that we carry. And this is one of these sins, right, like that, that sort of seeps into us. You know, folks get stuck on this, and they, you know, like especially now with the Internet and all that, and it's right there, right? And it becomes this thing that it's so hard not to do because it's right there. 
Um, after that is impurity. Um, literally, what this means is unholiness, but because of the context, it's another kind of kind of sexual, right? Like like impurity is when we like allow ourselves to be less than what we were designed to be. Um, and sensuality refers to excess. It's when it becomes all that you do. Anybody ever know a teenage boy? No, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but that's almost the example is like the teenage boy mentality where you can't stop thinking, right? Um, it's these folks that can't not do it. It becomes all of who they are. And it, it just literally dictates their life. That's what he's talking about with sensuality. And so the first major division, division is this physical stuff, right? Um, he says, listen, this is a sign that you may have a problem. Our culture, I mean, honestly, our culture it treats it like it's a like it's communion almost, right? You know, this is this is the communion of the pagan worldview. You should be able to do whatever you want, whatever you want, with whoever you want, regardless of whether you're married, single, tall, short, eight years old. It doesn't matter. Do what you want, right? I mean, it's out there, isn't it? This is the flesh. The flesh says, "Gratify me," and. Ultimately, this is a rebellion against God. Paul leads with this, I think, because he describes this kind of sin as the only kind of sin that affects, like, everything on you, right? Like, this is a whole body-soul sin, right? Like, this is everything. Just take this seriously, because it's a big deal. Um, the next round is spiritual sin. This is idolatry. We all know what idolatry is, right? It's when you take anything and make it more important than God, Right? And, you know, oh, I don't do that, but, you know, money is sometimes idolatrous for us, right? We love money, <laughs> love making money, you know, this is something. Um, doing what I want, my own freedom, getting my way, um, these things can become idols. And sorcery, sorcery, I talked about this in Sunday school this morning, so you would already know this if you had been there, but I have to repeat it now because some of you weren't. <laughs> the word for sorcery, I'm going to read it from the Greek properly. It's pharmakeia, right? Not F-A-R-M, but P-H-R-M, pharmakeia. And the original Greek word, if you back way, way, way up, it referred to medicine. Like you go to a doctor and the doctor provided pharmakeia. And then over time, that medicine became like substance abuse, right? Like, like and that sort of makes sense. Pharmakeia becomes substance abuse. And then... Over time, substance abuse became a central part of worship of false gods, right? So, like, the, and actually, the previous sin was one as well that would be a part of worshiping idols, but this one as well, like, like where people would use drugs as a part of worshiping, and when they would worship their idols, they would use drugs or they would get really intoxicated or what have you. And so pharmakeia became, you know, a part of worship. And so when we see sorcery, it's referring to more than just you know, I'm going to break out my magic trick book and do these things. It's referring to a way of life that involves, like, intoxication. It involves rebellion against God through, like, idolizing something that alters who you are. It's a big deal. And this is a tough one. This is something that rules folks, right? It kicks your butt when it gets a hold of you. And it's because of the flesh, ultimately. Like Paul says in Romans 7, he says, Man, I hate what I keep doing, but I can't seem to stop because my own body is fighting against me. Um, so spiritual sins. Spiritual sins are a huge deal because like when God describes spiritual sins in the Old Testament, he refers to it like adultery, right? So when you worship something that ain't me, it's like you're cheating on me. That's painful, ain't it? 
Um, personal relationships is the next group. You have um, enmity, strife. Enmity, um, you guys know what this one means, this word? It refers to like anger in your relationships. Um, strife, which is arguing, jealousy, um, an outburst of anger. Anybody do any of these in your family relationships or with your friends? Really, it's just me? <laughs> so when we find ourselves in spots where we're short-tempered or we're arguing constantly or jealousy, you know, well, I'm not jealous of you, but anytime I look at you and I think you should be doing what I want and this should be all about me, that's jealousy, right? You know, or I'm right, you're wrong. That's jealousy, isn't it? Um, jealousy is when we turn what should be love on ourselves and we say, it's all about me, Right? Um, relationship sins. I mean, and, and this is sort of the most obvious one. Most folks encounter this often, right? Like we carry this with us. Because if you have to live with somebody, and if you have to be married to them or parent them or whatever, you're going to fight with them. Um, you might say, but you don't know my wife. And I'll say, you don't know my wife. <laughs> Love you, honey. <laughs> um, ultimately, it's not about who you're with. It's about your flesh, right? Your flesh drives these sins, it grabs hold, it grabs the wheel, and all of a sudden it's the one driving and you ain't. Um, regardless of what you want. The problem is it's usually fun until it isn't. And in relationships you'll see this. Anybody have it where you would argue with your spouse and it was sort of fun winning until you were arguing all the time and then all of a sudden it was miserable and you didn't even want to talk to him anymore because all you did was fight? Really, that's just me? Um... This is the flesh grabbing hold. This is the flesh damaging relationships. Um, division in the church is my fourth one. Usually they say personal relationship. Most commentators lump these together. I think disputes, dissensions, factions, and envying. Factions refers to when you gather up as a group and you say, us people, we think Sunday school should be run upstairs, not downstairs in the fireside room. And, you know, or all of preaching shouldn't just be the Old Testament, and until you start preaching what I want, I'm leaving, right? That's a faction. Or that Pastor Eric, he wore jeans today. <laughs> Jesus hates jeans. Doesn't he know? Like, these are factions that develop. Um, anybody ever been in a church that did this and decided to split up? How big of a little slice of hell is that? You know, where you get out of worship in this time that you're spending with God and you walk out into the parking lot and you see that group of people hanging out, like dissecting the sermon, like right out there in the parking lot. And you think, couldn't you at least go to a restaurant? You know? <laughs> um, or the, you know, like, like when what should be the body of Christ becomes like bitterness and anger. This is like a specific pain that exists within the church because we're family. Like, we're supposed to be family spiritually. And when that begins to break up, and people take it very lightly, right? They'll say, well, yeah, I don't like you guys. I'm just going to go to Lutheran church and hang out with them because I can just go somewhere else. That'd be a little like me saying, honey, I'm sick of you. I'm going down the street. <laughs> that lady down there is pretty good looking, and I wouldn't actually do that, honey. <laughs> Nobody's as good looking as you. Um, <laughs> um but it is that way. I mean, could you imagine, well, Mom, Dad, I'm a little sick of you. Jim's parents are better. I'm going down there. <laughs> the heck you are. <laughs> That's where my mom would do it. Um, division, disputes, dissension, envying. These are things that exist within the church. When you look at the people around you and you say, they're getting it better than me and I don't like it. Or, 
I want it my way, and my way is more important than God wanting us to be together. That's division. And it happens within churches, and it's wicked. It just is. It drives folks out. Um, it shuts the door of heaven, and it like literally locks it, saying, well, we're going to be as bad as you. Excessive living, um, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Things like these is sort of the dot, dot, dot. I think it actually refers to everything altogether. You know, almost like um, if you can't think of it, but you're pretty sure it belongs here, it probably does, right? Um, drunkenness, it's not referring to consuming alcohol. I've got to be careful, the Church of God, like, and all that. But the fact of the reality is, is this isn't a prohibition against drinking. It's a prohibition against Drinking in excess. When drinking in excess begins to happen, that's sinful. That's just reality. God gives us a gift, and when a gift becomes God, that's wrong. Um, And I'm not saying it's wrong like anybody who drinks too much, you're all bad people. What I'm saying is that the flesh likes taking God's gifts and turning them into God, right? Um, That's what happens with the sexual sin, right? God gives us this great gift, and it says, wow, how can I make this all about me? How can I make this into something that I can like worship for a little while? And the same thing happens with alcohol. And a lot of times, or drugs, or what have you, like, like these things become God, and the flesh grabs hold, and then before you know it, you can't stop. Right? Because that's how the flesh is. And you say, well, I'm going to. I'm going to try real, 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 real hard, and it doesn't happen. Carousing is a fun word. I love saying it. What it specifically refers to is sort of going out and partying all the time. Right? Anyway, know folks like this, like where every minute has to be that sort of wild party moment, or I've got to always be out living this way because, you know, and usually it's carousing is associated with alcohol or what have you. Like that's what it's referring to is this wild lifestyle. Those who refer to these things, or those who practice these things, um, The phrase here, that's 21B, if you're following along, those who practice these things. The phrase practice such things, it's different in different translations because it's really hard to get across the idea. Um, But what this, the Greek here means is it's like those who become habitual about this stuff. Because fact of the matter is you're going to sin, right? Anybody here not sin this week? I mean, it's reality. We're going to sin. When these sins... Um, begin to take root and they become our way of life, that's habitual, right? This is the problem. God knows I'm going to sin. God knows that every once in a while I see a pretty lady and I look at her and I think, wow, she's a good-looking gal, right? I, I'm not planning on running off with her. I swear, honey. Um, but the fact of the matter is, my, you know, because I'm man, because I'm a man, because I'm sinful, because I have flesh that's sinful, I'm going to, like, like sin. My eyes will wander sometimes. Sometimes I'll think nasty things in my heart about the people around me. Sometimes I'll talk to someone and I'll get angry for no good reason and I'll like want to kick them to the curb. Like That's the reality of it. And these are things that are going to happen because we have our flesh. We all will sin. When that becomes a way of life is when Paul is saying, listen, if this is the way of life you're living, don't expect God to honor that. Don't think you're going to go traipsing through heaven's door saying, yep, I've been shooting, robbing, carousing, <laughs> and, and flaunting the fact that I'm disobeying you, and, and, you know, and that's it. Now, um, Paul offers the way out. 
he says in verse 22, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Okay, um, real quick contrast. What was the first group called? Oh, you guys can heckle me, but you can't call <laughs> No, 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 the first type. It was the what of the flesh? Was it the sins? It was the works of the flesh, right? The works of the flesh are things that I do, right? Now, if the fruit of the Spirit starts coming out of me, is that something I do? No. The fruit of the Spirit are a byproduct of the Spirit in our lives, right? Think in terms of Eric suddenly quits smoking, loses a bunch of weight, and stops drinking, right? Like these things happen and I get healthy. This is a fruit of me being healthy. When the Spirit invades our lives and starts taking us over, the old way that we were, the flesh begins to die off, and we become, like, occupied by the Holy Spirit. We become, like, like filled, and he begins to take over, and he begins to take the wheel, and these things um, sort of start growing out of it. It's not like I have to, you know, I love my wife dearly, right? And if I bring home a dozen roses for her, it's not as though I have to remind myself on a daily basis, got to do nice things for the wife, got to do nice things for the wife, got to do nice things for the wife. Why? Because I love her, right? I naturally will try to do nice things. It's easier when you're dating, right? But the point is still there. Oh, come on. Um, but the point is still there. Like, like when you love someone, you don't have to think about all the stuff you have to do for them. You start finding ways to do it. I play with Abby pretty regularly. Why do I do it? Because she's cute and I love her, right? I, I want to pick her up and make her laugh. I like doing that. Why? Because I love her. And this is a natural byproduct of my loving her. As the Holy Spirit invades us, we don't have to try real, real hard to love people. We love people because the Spirit's a part of our lives. Um, we're going to go through these real quick. Like, like the fruit of the Spirit aren't things that we work at. They're things that happen. Um, love um, this is foundational. This is all of them, okay? When you look at the rest of the list, there's eight of these. Um, they're all like, they all hinge on this love thing. This isn't self-love, right? This is love that's like um, God's love. This is not about me, about everyone else love. Um, this is love that Jesus demonstrates when he dies for us, right? This kind of love. Because um, I love tacos, I just do. But I love tacos because of how they make me feel. Right? Like, I don't have a particularly affinity toward tacos in general. Like, I like how they taste. I like how they make me feel. I love tacos. I really love Indian tacos. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, this is a different kind of love. It's a selfless, like, filled with the spirit kind of love. So when I say... Um, you know, I'm filled with joy. Why am I filled with joy? I'm filled with joy because God loves me and God's given me wonderful things and I, I, I can love other people. Isn't it miserable when you're ticked off at the folks around you all the time? Anybody ever get that way where you carry around this big old ball of anger? Or even, even more fun is when you're angry at folks you haven't seen in years <laughs> and you kind of got to keep that little fire going and it's just it's miserable. You know, how do you cure that? Well, you figure out how to love that person and forgive them, right? You figure out how to love the folks around you and let it go. Um, 
Paul displays this. When Paul is uh, out ministering, he gets arrested, and they bring him into the prison. They say, okay, Paul, here's what we're going to do. We are going to cut your head off. And Paul says, that's terrific. I get to go to heaven. <laughs> I'm finally done. They say, well, fine then. We're not going to kill you. We're going to torture you. And Paul's like, that's great. Jesus got tortured for me, and I get to experience it. I love Jesus. Let's do this. And they're like, well, fine. We won't torture you. <laughs> We're going to chain you to a wall and chain two guys to you, and you're going to hang out here until your attitude changes, mister. And they chained him to a wall and chained two guards to him. And instead of being ticked off at the guards, what did he do? He told them about Jesus. And he loved on them. And then before you knew it, all the guards in the palace were Christians. (laughs) What do you do with this guy? (laughs) That's joy, isn't it? That's think in terms of like, like praising God, right? Joy is what we experience when we praise God because we're thankful for what he gives us. Um, peace. Peace refers to not stressed, not worried, not um, overwhelmed by fear. Um, when I would work with uh, alcoholics and drug addicts, one of the things that, that you could see as they started to get healthy was peace would start taking over them because they weren't walking around with this big collection of secrets that they kept in the dark just terrified that folks might find out. Anybody ever have a couple of those, those nasty secrets? You think if people knew this stuff, they would nobody would ever talk to me again? You know, everybody would hate me? Anybody ever carry that stuff with you? Like, there's no peace in that because you spend forever worrying about it, and it terrifies you. Um, peace is the escape from all of that. Um, patience. Don't ever ask for it. You don't learn it by snapping the fingers. You learn it by going through tough times. But patience is when you can sit in the situation you're in and say, you know what, God put me here. And I'm good with it if that's what God wants from me. I'll wait. You know, I'll get through it. Patience also refers to each other. Sometimes I'm impatient with my wife because I want her to do things my way on my time. Right? If I love my wife, she can do things her way in her time. Especially when we're going out and it takes her 45 minutes. Anyway, um, that was a joke. That was a joke. Kindness. Kindness refers to how we treat the folks around us. If I love the people around me, I'm going to be kind to them. If somebody wrongs me, I'm not going to knock them down or badmouth them. Anybody really enjoy badmouthing folks who wrong you? Come on. <laughs> That's fun. Kindness is when you can forgive and love somebody even though they're a jerk. Um, it's easy to be kind to the people you care about. It's tough to be kind to the people you don't. Kindness refers to God's love infesting us through his spirit in such a way that we can treat people nice. Even when they don't deserve it. Gentleness. We know what it means to be gentle, right? It's to handle people in a way that isn't inflicting anger. It's not carried by our own self-interest. Faithfulness. Um, faithfulness refers to being full of faith. We think of faithfulness as in like I'm faithful to my wife. It's sort of that, but it's more that I trust God. Um, is trusting God a product of me trying real hard? No, because naturally my flesh is going to worry, right? I don't want God to be in control. I want to be in control, right? Faithfulness is when we hit this point, we can say, well, it's all you, man. I'll trust you. And self-control. Um, self-control is when you can manage yourself, right? It's when it doesn't get away from you. Um, when you don't fly into an anger. Um, ultimately, like if you compare these two lists, the big thing that's worth discovering, and if you're going to get anything out of this message, right? 
obeying the law and trying hard, it doesn't keep the flesh. It doesn't keep our sin from grabbing hold. It doesn't keep us out of sinning. It's the Holy Spirit overtaking us. Now, we have a choice to make all the time, right? Where am I going to walk? Am I going to walk in the Spirit or am I going to walk in my own deal? If I'm walking in my own flesh, well, this is what I'm going to get. Um, I've talked with a bunch of people about uh, Amish recently. Amish, you guys know what Amish people are? They're a religious group. They're very legalistic, and they obey rules very strictly, and they have huge problems with sin in their communities. Why? Because if I can't confess to sin, and if I've got to dig in and obey law, sin is going to get away from me. Um, that's where hypocrites come from, right? They get in, overtaken by their own flesh because they can't obey the law to be saved. Um, so how do we make this happen? It's... I'm surrounded by farmers. This should be easy, right? How do you make fruit grow? You plant the right seeds, right? You water them occasionally. You keep the deer from eating them. They're, or antelopes? Whatever. <laughs> Maybe you fertilize them occasionally, right? Like, like growing fruit is easy. The plant does all the real work, Right? In this case, the Holy Spirit does all the real work. Well, how do I make things grow in my life? Well, I don't try real hard to make it happen. Instead, I invest in things that give the Spirit leave in my life, right? So how do I do that? I pray. I know it's tough, right? And it it probably doesn't refer to that five-minute prayer you say as you're falling asleep at night or the two-minute prayer you say in the shower or the one on the toilet, right? Like, if... What? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Fact of the matter is that if you're giving God your leftover time, what you're going to get is nothing. Every time Jess and I ever try to grow a garden, right? Every time we have more weeds than garden. You know why? Because we don't weed. <laughs> because we don't line up our plants so you know what's what. And so when it comes time to pull out the weeds, we look and we're like, well, that might be a tomato, but it might be a dandelion. I don't know. <laughs> Because we're not careful about how we do it. And honestly, whenever I've planted a garden, I hardly pay attention to what I put in the ground. Planting the right seeds. How do we plant the right seeds? Well, what do you fill your life with, right? What do you study? What do you read? Um, one of the best ways to like encourage the Spirit to grow in your life is to spend time reading God's Word and praying over it. Um, I knew a guy when I was um, working at Basher who would write Bible verses on his hand. He would read in the morning, and as he was reading, he would come across something that would really jump out at him, and he'd write it on his hand, and then every day, or all day, he'd look down at his hand, and that scripture verse would come out at him, and he would think, what does that mean? What do I do with that? And over and over again, he spent his whole day thinking about whatever Bible verse happened to be written on his hand. Guess what? That's proper cultivation, right? That's going to encourage the Spirit to take over my life. Like, let's put some contrast here. If I watch Desperate Housewives every night, is that even on anymore? Oh, some of you knew. Um, <laughs> that's the trick from the pulpit, baby. Um, <laughs> if I'm watching, if I'm watching the primetime Showtime lineup, right? Or if I'm watching, like, there's any number of like wicked things out there. If I'm like, like, filling my soul with Jersey Shore, am I going to get better spiritual growth than if I sit and like spend a little bit of time, like, just call it the same amount of time reading the scriptures? What's going to get me better product? It's the truth, ain't it? Um, so what am I planting in my heart and soul? What am I filling my life with? And what am I not filling it with? Um, 
we're not a helpless passenger, right? We have the choice to water. Um, some of you guys have farms you can't water. That's right. I was surprised to hear that. I thought everybody watered the farms, like from Indiana. I mean, you just have a well. And anyway, like, like, but we can water. How do we water? Well, we spend time praising God. Like the time we spend praising, like that builds us spiritually. We spend time confessing to each other. That's one of those commandments we forget about, or those directions in the Old Testament or in the New Testament that we forget. Confess your sins to one another. Right? Instead, we want to like say, well, God, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to bury this. When it comes to sins that get away from you, right? You can't. You got to confess and you got to walk together. Um, This is a part of the deal. Watering, weeding, finding things that's garbage in your life and pulling it up. Every once in a while, I'll realize I'm still ticked off at somebody that I should have forgiven a long time ago. Anybody got that? Honestly. If I got that anger, guess what? It's like finding weeds in my garden and ignoring them um, because they're going to choke out spiritual life. If I spend all my time angry, there will be no growth in my spirit. Um, But this isn't me trying real hard to love people. It's me tending my soul. It's me encouraging my good crops to grow. It's me watering regularly. I mean... We understand this one, right? We're farmers. You guys are farmers. I ain't a farmer. (laughs) I talk for a living. (laughs) Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. All right, this is where I'm closing, okay? What I'm offering you today is tough. It sounds easy, and there's a part of it that is easy. It's easier for God to make your life right than to make it right yourself, isn't it? If he does the work, that's easy. The hard part, though, is that it stings a little. Anybody ever have a nasty sin that they keep hidden that you one day sit down and confess to some folks, and it hurts like heck just saying it out loud? It's the truth, ain't it? Anybody ever have like like a sin that they really wanted to commit and they had to start like like genuinely dealing with it, like forgiving folks? It stings. Greed, how do you fix a greed? Well, you start giving. You do what the Bible commands, right? That's hard. That hurts. It's unpleasant. This is easy, but it's hard. Um, that's why Paul refers to it as crucifying the flesh. Crucifying the flesh is not a pleasant or pretty picture. We think of like the, the pretty cross with, you know, like the nice Jesus who has six pack and everything else like hanging on it and there's no blood or anything else. Like crucifixion was horrible and nasty and painful and unpleasant. And what Paul's telling us is take this part of you that's all about you and put it on the cross on a regular basis. Um, every day, every day. Every day. Um, And then walk in the Spirit. It's just a choice we make, right? Every day. Am I going to walk with the Spirit or am I going to walk with the cast from Jersey Shore this evening? Am I going to walk with the Spirit or am I going to walk with the Friday night lineup on, you know, whatever TV show? Am I going to walk with the Spirit or with the Fifty Shades of Grey? Um, What am I going to walk with? What am I going to fill my heart with? My challenge for you is to ask yourself these questions. What are you doing to grow good things? Um, what are you doing to cultivate the spirit in your life? Um, are you choosing it? Next week, we're going to look at um, our heart conditions, what makes this happen or not happen. Um, we're going to close in prayer. Um, 
Bow your heads, please. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to be filled with your Spirit. I pray that you would help us to live lives that would encourage the fruit of the Spirit to blossom and and grow in our lives. Help us to be obedient and submissive and and help us to rely on you for all of these things. Um, In Christ's name I pray. Amen.